We're going to continue to talk on a series called The Journey, and my hope and my desire is that you're able to somehow, some way, take the words that I speak to you and put yourself in the message. You know, oftentimes as I read the Bible and I spend time with the Lord, I'm able to see on a practical level how those very things that have been spoken of or that I'm reading can really apply to my own life. And what I've understood is this, is that the more that I understand the ways of God, the easier I'm able to trust Him. Trust is not an easy thing. How many have been there before? It's, it's difficult at times because what we see and what we feel and what we know on the natural realm so often is contrary to the very things that we're believing for or the promises that we know that God our Father, the one that you hear every single Sunday say He loves you and He loves you and He loves you, and yet circumstances can appear so contrary to that reality of who God is for us. And I truly believe, as we were speaking last week, that something happened in the lives of so many people. I had the chance uh, this past Wednesday of meeting with like 20, general, 20 guys here just talking about the freedom that we're walking out of this orphan mindset and embracing who we are as daughters and sons of the living God. And it's a process. It's a journey. It's something that we're all on, that we never come to a place where we fully attain it. Even the Apostle Paul made very clear those words is that you may never attain it, but I keep on pressing on. And I want to encourage you with these words this morning that they would inspire you and they would give you the hope and the courage to keep on pressing on. That there is a turning point. That every, nothing is permanent in this life except who God is. That he is the same yesterday, he is the same today, and he's the same forever. And so each and every one of us in this room are, are on a journey with our Heavenly Father. But it's not a journey of destination, but one of development. I want to make that very, very clear. This journey that you're on is not one of destination, it is one of development, that he is growing all of us individually and collectively as a family into his people who are called by his name, that we would represent him wherever we, that we go, that he is calling all of us to be his people. That's the journey that all of us are on is discovering who we are to him and who he is for us. It's a journey of discovery, it's a journey of identity, and it's a journey of intimacy. God bless you. Of who he is for us and who we are to him. I want that to sink in for just a moment because if we have the understanding that God, I, you promised this, so the, the journey must be the end of the promise. If you promise me provision, then I'm waiting for my provision when in fact the journey to the place where he has promised you is actually one of identity and intimacy. Me and Hannah have a, is Hannah in here? Where's she at? All right, she's somewhere. There she is. Me and Hannah had a great conversation this morning about this very thing because uh, as we were talking, she had mentioned that we're, we're just having to come to a place where we learn how to embrace it, the journey. 
And I want to encourage you, it's not about embracing the journey, it's about embracing Him. It, it changes everything because if you embrace the journey, you come away with this martyr mindset like, it's hard, but I'm just going to embrace the journey and just trust God and whatever He takes me through, I'm going to make it through. No, it's about embracing Him because then you see the journey completely differently. And when you learn who He wants to be for you and who you are to Him, you start to get a certain level of security with Him. You start to realize that it's not about when you get to where you want to go to. It's all about knowing Him. Even Jeremiah said these words. He says, let not the rich boast in their riches. Let not the wise boast in their wisdom. Let not the mighty or the strong boast in their strength. But let him who boasts, boast in this one thing. That we understand and that we know him. At the end of the day, that's what he's longing for. He's longing for us to have an experiential, intimate relationship with him. And that's why so many of us get tripped up because often we look at our own lives and we go, I should be further along than I am. Who's ever felt like that right now at this moment, at this minute? I should be further along. So if we feel that way, we know God must feel that way like, holy cow, what has taken you guys so long to catch what Justin's been trying to teach you all these months? And we get frustrated ourselves and we start to grow what? Impatient. And so what happens is we attempt to manufacture something that God is saying, oh, you thought it was about this? Oh, it's not about that. It's about you and me. And once this is established in our lives and we come to a place where we realize, man, God, this is who you are for me. Because what happens often on this journey is it gets very difficult. Many of us in this room are facing off with a time in your life where you're like, when God and how God and if God, and you ask those questions, and what happens is, as a result of those difficulties, we start to find the very things that God wants to be for us, we start to find those answers in something else. We pick up our identity in something else, our work, our relationships, our husband, our wife, our kids, our sports, our achievement, our accolades, our service. And that's where we start to now get our fulfillment from is in those very things. And we miss something so important. First uh, Peter chapter 2, if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can turn there with me. Verse number 9, we're going to read two verses from First Peter. That's my cue, Jackson. There you go. Uh, but you are a chosen. Everybody say chosen. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are his own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who has what? He's called you out of darkness into his light. And who you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And you had not obtained mercy before, but now you have obtained mercy. So God is developing all of us into his people. That's what he's doing. Now he sees us like that, but now he has to develop us into that. That we are a chosen people. We are a holy people. We are a royal people. We are a what? Special people. That's who you are. You have been chosen. You have been made holy. 
You have been made special in the eyes of the Almighty. And now that is how he sees you. That's how heaven sees you. Now this journey is about you becoming the very thing that he already has said about you. That you already are. And that is why oftentimes we feel like, man, I should be much further than I am. He is transforming us into mature sons and daughters and he's ridding each and every one of us in his own special way of an orphan mindset so that we can carry his presence wherever he has sent us into. How many are following me? That we are to carry the presence of God. In the Old Testament, it was about God visiting his people. In the New Covenant, it's about we inhabiting who God is, that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us, and as he calls us up into be sons and daughters, we now can carry his presence wherever we go. How many ever felt like God was maybe leading you to go pray for somebody or to go witness to somebody or go encourage somebody, but you felt so inadequate? You felt like, I'm not prayed up, I'm just not ready for that. God, I, I just don't even feel like, I, I'm not even in the right place to do that. And he asks us, not because you've been prayed up. He asks us of those things, not because you're, you're ready for it. He asks us because that's who you are. Like you carry the presence of God. So when he says, Justin, I want you to go pray for that person who may have a brace on their arm. And I back up and go, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. The week has been busy. Lord, I haven't spent much time. I feel like I, my prayers wouldn't even reach the ceiling. Who I'm self-conscious at that point. And God is only asking me because he knows that I carry the presence of God. And as a son and daughter, I'm called to go wherever he's called me to go. And so if he's asked me to do something, he knows that I'm equipped as a son to do the very things that he asked me to. I want you to see this passage, and it's a passage that you probably have read many times. And I'm going to share it from the Passion Translation. It comes from Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. It says, the mature children of God are those who are what? Moved by the impulses of the Spirit of God. And it says, you did not receive, and I want to speak this over your life, that you did not receive the spirit of religious duty which leads all of us back to the fear of never being good enough. That's a spirit of an orphan. Orphans feel like I've never, I never measure up like Jim was saying. I'm never good enough for God. And that's what he's beginning to do and that's what he's longing to do for each of us is to rid us of that. Where does it come from? It comes all the way from the garden. When Adam had to leave the garden of Eden, what happened? He had to protect himself he had to fend for himself he had to provide for himself and he had to promote himself and what happens is that spirit that comes on all of us and then religion waves this pretty little gift in front of you to lure you into oh you want to measure up come and just eat of religion and so what we do is we come and partake of religion and functional Christianity and we start to do and do and do and we're like man I'm feeling good and then what happens is we all mess up. How many have been there before? And the moment we mess up, we realize, man, I just don't measure up, but we try so hard. January 1st is coming around the corner, and what's going to happen? We're going to get super excited about a brand new year. We're going to put things on paper about what we're going to do and what we're going to accomplish, and little do we know that we're going to probably mess up in the process of walking these things out. 
And come June, we're probably going to have given up 80% of the things that we were very hopeful for. And there's a spirit that God is giving all of us, and it's right here, but you have received the spirit of what? Full acceptance, or another translation says, you have received. It's a reception of all of us. You've received the spirit of adoption. And it's enfolding you into the family of God, and you will never feel orphaned again. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of affection, beloved father. When's the last time that you spoke to God like that? When's the last time that you called him Abba, Father? I know for us as men in this room, that may be weird, it may be strange, but I have found that the more that I've realized how much God loves me and the more that I declare him to be my Abba, Father and not just God, it changes the way that I talk to him. It changes the way that I pray. It changes that when I'm walking or go for a walk or I'm times or alone, I can realize that I can converse with somebody that tenderly cares for me. But when we just see him as God, the creator of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, what happens is we put him in a distance. And oftentimes we don't feel like he actually cares about the very details of our life. And so there's a spirit inside of us of adoption that is crying out saying, you are my Abba Father, that there's no one else that cares more for me. There's no one else in this entire world that loves me more than you do. And look at verse number 16. And it says, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. As you're walking on this journey, realize that the Holy Spirit has been sent by Jesus to guide you along this path. And the Holy Spirit now is making the Father real to you. And that's why it's so important to have constant conversation with the Holy Spirit. Because he's revealing who God is for you. That in a time, how many have been there before? In a time where you just are overwhelmed with fear. It's at that moment where the Holy Spirit does not correct the fear. He says, can I introduce you to a side of the Father that maybe you have not understood yet? Can I introduce you to a love that can cast out all fear? Can I introduce you to a comfort that the Father has in the moment of pain that you've never experienced before? And so often what happens is in a time of recently, uh, my wife and my father-in-law, he just lost his, his wife and my daughter, my wife lost her mother, and it was a hard time, but you know what happens often with people who go through times of loss, is they find something to fill something. They can turn to alcohol, they can turn to eating, they can turn to a relationship, they can turn to something to make sure that this void is somehow filled, or that these voices are somehow drawn out. And the Holy Spirit is walking around and going, there's someone that can give you peace in times where it just feels like there's no chance of ever having any peace. That in times of pain, there's, God, there's someone that can give you a comfort that you can overwhelmingly feel God's comfort in a time of deep pain. And that's what the Holy Spirit, his role is, is he makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. That's who you are, and that's what the Holy Spirit, how many feel like God is constantly reminding you of your mistakes and your sin and your shortcomings and your failures? It's a ploy of the enemy. He's lying. He's duped all of us in this room at some point to convince us that God is now talking to us about the very things that Jesus died for. When in fact the Holy Spirit is just whispering, goes, 
hey, Justin, I know you're fearful about how things are going to work out, but you are God's beloved child. And our response is, no, that's great. So how's it going to work out? <laughs> right? Like, okay, like, like, that's awesome that you love me, but how are we going to pay this? And how are we going to do this? And what's going to happen with this? And I feel like he just whispers back, until we finally just receive your God's beloved child. Like the reason you're asking this question is because you truly don't understand what that statement means. Because if that is true, that you are his beloved child, it's a 100% guarantee that everything's going to be okay. And I hope to under, help you understand what this journey looks like inside of your life. So no longer, as we rise up and become sons and daughters, no longer will we live with a sense of fear, of rejection, and disapproval, but that we are becoming those who know that we are fully accepted and deeply loved without condition. That we would, be, we would, we would transform from those who strive to earn a place in God's kingdom to learn how to rest in the place that has been freely given to us. From those who self-preserve because we're not sure if God's going to come through for us. And to sons and daughters who are dependent upon Him. Because we know that He is our shepherd. That we're no longer out to prove that we're good enough to God. That we're no longer out to prove I can do this on my own. But we're sons who rejoice in the very fact that God has chosen us. And that we allow him to break down the walls that we have built and surrounded ourselves with to ensure that we never get hurt by anyone, especially from God. And so that we can live and we can abide in his love. Do you see it in your own life? Do you see the journey that he has you on? That it's not one of destination, it's one of development. And just like the people of Israel, he was wooing all of the people of Israel into a relationship with him. The power that he showed toward Pharaoh and toward Egypt was not to impress them. It was to woo the people of God into a place where we can trust him. Because he was asking them to step out of something that they were so familiar with. The bondage of their past, their identity as a slave. He was saying, I'm inviting you into a journey of what? Identity and intimacy. But they thought it was a journey of the promised land. And how many of us have read that where it's like, oh, God wanted them to get to the promised land. When in fact, God was like, the promised land was secondary. Primary was them having a relationship with me. He wasn't inviting them into an obligation or a contract. But into a relationship with a God who was always present. Who heard their cry and now he was coming to deliver them from oppression and bondage. And so he was setting them free to become his people. He wasn't setting them free because slavery was hard. Slavery was, they were in slavery for 400 years. Don't you think he could have gotten them out earlier? But it was finally, as their cries were always within amongst each other, the Bible says that the cries went upward toward God, and it's when he heard his, their cry, he said, I'm going to send you a deliverer. And he set them free and he set all of us free to become his people, to learn what it means 
that God is not just their deliverer, but he also wants to be their shepherd. Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my, I shall not what? It's the Lord is my shepherd, and when you finally realize that God doesn't just want to be a savior or a deliverer, but maybe he wants to be your shepherd, where you can say, as David says, that he leads me, and he guides me, and he makes me. And then you realize at the end that, man, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's when you realize, man, I have a relationship with the true shepherd of God who cares deeply for his sheep. They were learning the difference between being a slave or orphan-minded people, which is completely fear-based. And that's how many of us have grown up as a Christian, is in a fear-based relationship. If I don't do this, then I know that this is going to be the result. And so many of the things that we've done for God or uh, in in the name of God have been fear-based. And he's causing us to see the difference between a slave-minded and a bride-minded people. Bride-minded is completely love-based. He pursued us and we accepted the invitation to be his bride. So here's a question I have for you. It's not a trick question, but you may not know the answer. What is a higher priority to God? The ease of the journey for you and I or his kingdom purpose and plan? Verse 